0: Hello and welcome to The Download. I'm your host, Dave Richardson, and it is Stu's Days, so you know what that means. That means we've got Stu Kedwell, co-head of North American Equities at RBC Global Asset Management, and Stu, uh, I, I, I understand you're, you're quite focused on the, uh, the Stu Jays right now, a <laughs> uh, uh, lot, lot of fans of, uh, of the Stu's uh, right across the country. How, what, what, uh, why are
1: you so excited? Well, the Stu Jays are going to make the playoffs or they're in the playoffs. They're going to host it in uh, Stu Ronto. And uh, oh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so how can you not be excited about that? Well, yeah. And, and the baseball season is, I think, a uh, perfect corollary for uh, for dollar cost averaging because uh, the, 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 the baseball season is slow and steady over time. And if you do the right things, you win. That's the uh, that's the Stu Jays headed to the playoffs
1: that's right uh, you know it's interesting not as, as a bit of an aside but uh, you know moneyball was a, a great book written about baseball and there's a lot of overlap to investing about you know just constantly putting the odds in your favor yeah. and then uh, you know the baseball team could use that type of analysis to win the regular season but sometimes it didn't work as well in the playoffs because in a shorter period of time you know some of those statistics they don't they don't benefit you kind of like you know, heartbeats talent maybe in a in a playoff se- series, but uh, in the long term, you know, talent wins out. And um, you know, we've seen we've seen a, a volatile couple of days that you know might look like a playoff series, but you know, that long term uh, investing style of just kind of constantly putting the odds in your favor is uh, is extremely beneficial.
0: Yeah, a short shorter shorter period of time, lower probability that the best team wins. Is <clears throat> the longer you stretch it out, the more chance the best team wins. And the best team from an investment perspective has historically been equity markets. So that's uh, that's uh, so we'll cheer for the uh, the Stu J's, uh and the equity markets because they, they they're bouncing back. This uh, we've been a couple of a couple of weeks off. Stu, Let, let's go through sort of the the this bottoming out process, hopefully bottoming out process that we saw last week, or at least coming back down to where we were in June, and then these first couple of days in October have been. Uh, have been quite spectacular in the rebound. So what was the final draw in pushing us back to where we were early in the summer?
1: Well, since we last spoke, uh, you know, probably the biggest issues have been in some of the macro markets, the currency markets and um, global bond markets. And um, when you get into situations uh, where liquidity is uh, the most discussed subject, uh, you're often due for a reprieve. Because, um, you know, liquidity can be quite acute and then there'll be some event that solves it and, uh, you know, things go back a little bit towards normal. So, you know, we'll see how this plays out. But the Bank of England came in and and reversed or, or said that they would buy some of their long bonds and that to relieve some of the pressure that was taking place on a liquidity front from a variety of investors. So that was the first positive. The U.S. dollar then weakened a little bit. Today, uh, we got uh, some employment news, which uh, suggests that the employment market is is not quite as tight as it used to be. It's the job openings uh, statistic. And um, for the first times in the pandemic, really, the number of job openings fell. So now that you're closer to the number of people looking for work and the number of jobs being open are, are closer, which uh, you know would be a very early sign that maybe wage pressure also has peaked. So you've seen a yields drop. You know this notion which we've talked about before is that the you know, the Fed everyone is looking for some sign that the interest rate tightening would uh, would begin to mature. Uh, lower inflation is important. The last element of inflation is likely wages. This would be you know somewhat supportive of that. So this notion that you know, the Fed can uh, you know maybe doesn't have to go as far. Uh, we can get back to focusing on on the future. We can get back to focusing on, you know, company by company analysis. Uh, you know, that's, that's what you're seeing in the markets uh, in the first couple of days of October. Um, you know, whether or not it persists is always a million dollar question, but um, without question, uh, you know, valuation is, is uh, slightly more supportive. And, um, you know, this as we said last time it's like you know you kind of every so often you're showing the sniff of what it looks like if people think uh, the fed is done um you know as a long term investor you know that eventually they will be done uh so you know it's you know what's coming um as a shorter term investor there's been fits and starts um but uh you know a little bit of improvement uh, on that front
0: yeah and i encourage the, the listeners uh, most of our listeners are are are, are in canada and and it's been it's been said that the 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 one economic figure that every Canadian can quote off the top of their head virtually any day if you walk up to them on a street corner and I include my two teenage daughters in this they're particularly in tune with this is the Canadian dollar U.S. dollar exchange rate I walk up to any Canadian they say what is it today it's seventy three cents as we're as we're recording seventy three and a half cents but go and what what's what's not, hasn't been noticed through this this whole last six months is how extreme the move has been in the U.S. dollar relative to other currencies. So now go and look at your Canadian dollar versus the euro, versus the pound, versus the yen. And the first thing you want to do actually is hop on your, 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 uh, your favorite travel site and start booking a vacation there. But it is incredible how much the U.S. dollar has moved. And because the Canadian dollar has moved, you know, about 7 8% down, relative to the U.S., the Canadian dollars gained against a lot of other currencies. But in aggregate, that U.S. dollar strength has and, and, and the powerful move, how, how violent the move has been, has really created some of these issues in economies all around the world. Uh, we focused on, on the U.K. and the particular problems there. We'll have a guest on later this week uh, that'll get into more detail uh, on that. Uh, but, but when you have currencies moving around as much as we've seen this year, that's normally uh, a, a sign that there's instability in the market, as, as Stu says, can create liquidity issues. It typically creates volatility in other parts of the market, and that's exactly what we've seen. So, so, so Stu, if, if we look from a technical – and we talked about technical analysis a little bit, and we're not going to do a uh, – uh, this is not going to be a university-level course on, on technical analysis, but just as a base – you know typically what happens as a market bottoms is 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 we come down as we did in June uh we 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 put some lows in we get a bounce off of there and and then usually the market will come back and retest that low before moving higher into the future we we basically bottomed out in June we 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 hit uh, we came back and tested those lows even went a little bit through them at to the end of September does this feel like that's a bottom or are these earnings that we're going to see coming up in October that you've talked about many times hasn't really been reflected, um, necessarily, or, or not sure how it's been reflected in the pricing of equities. Is is that the next shoe to drop if those earnings are really good or disappointing?
1: Well, that's a good question. Like, um, you know, Nike reported last week and, um, those numbers were soft, and the stock was down quite a bit. Uh, the valuation of Nike had already, you know, changed quite uh, dramatically from its highs. Yet the stock still was down on the day. So, um, you know, trying to fully understand exactly where the market is relative to expectations is is a challenge. And, and often, the actual arrival of, of bad news can, you know, cause a little bit more weakness. But the other side to that is that this has probably been the most discussed phenomena: that analyst expectations are too high relative to uh, what we're seeing in economic statistics. So, uh, you know, my tendency is to believe that investors are uh, prepared uh, to some degree for that, and um, and uh, even if there is more weakness, that you know, that's the type of activity that people are looking to use to put
0: money to work. So, so, Stu, what what would be would there be a sign as we go through this earning season for investors that that would you know that if if companies report and the reports look like X, that that suggests that the market has somewhat bottomed out, uh, or that we still might have further to go down? Um,
1: I think you know I think I think it's really uh, you know the, the major signs are, unfortunately are still macro oriented. Yeah. Uh, you know, the the you know confidence that the Fed is closer to done uh, their full extent of tightening is is probably the most important feature because if earnings are a little bit weak, but people think the Fed is close to being done, then they are more willing to look through weak earnings. Uh, if earnings are weak and people think the duration that the Fed is going to have to hold tighter liquidity is higher, then they're less certain that we've seen the bottom of earnings. Um, you know, so that's, that's the dynamic that I think is at play right now. You know, the one thing I would say, uh, is that when we have this much discussion about macro events and this little discussion about company specific events, we're normally closer to the end, uh, yes. than we are, uh, the beginning. Um, and, uh, you know, any investor can go back and revisit, you know, notes that they may have made to themselves. Like I keep a daily notepad, to journal. Um, when your notepad is filled with company specific stories, uh, you know, you're normally optimistic. Yep. And when your notepad is filled with macro events, it's normally a period of pessimism. We're in that right now. To borrow from the baseball what inning? Uh, I'm not sure, but it's, it's past the midway point. And, um, and, uh... You know eventually the the macro dominance in the news headlines will start to ebb and uh investors will begin to focus more back on you know some company fundamentals um, and what managements have been using this period of time to do to to better the prospects for long term investors
0: yeah and 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 so if um if 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 we look at if, if we look at the um, – and, and we're going to have Eric LaSalle's on talking about some of the, uh, some of the macroeconomics. Uh, we've got the jobs report coming, coming later this week. Uh, that'll be an indicator. But the, 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 the Fed is are, – are you getting any – are you having any more confidence that the Fed is, is, is done or, or, or is looking to change paths given what we're see, we've seen in the U.K. Uh, with, uh, with, with a couple of banks in Europe? Any anything anything tweaking your interest there?
1: Uh, yeah, for sure. Like, like, um, you know, there were some periods, you know, last week where you see where you're seeing, you know, very significant movements in some European financials. When you're seeing, you know, the ten-year bond, which is very liquid, moving, you know, ten or twelve basis points at a time. Uh, that means that the system is tight of liquidity, and um, when you're in those when you're in those situations, you're closer to uh, the end of tightening liquidity than you are at the beginning of it. Yep. So like, does the fed need to go another 75 basis points or another 75 and then a couple 25s on top of it? You know, those are, those are, um, you know those are kind of market expectations. What I think we can say with some degree of confidence is that, you know, three or four months from now we'll, we'll likely be through it. Um, and, uh, so I, you know, I like I'm trying to come at, I'm trying to be, you know, respectful uh, during periods of illiquidity, you get big price movements, So you always want to have, you know, some money to put to work in that. But I also in the back of my head, I'm thinking, uh, how do we come at this uh, with some degree of, uh, you know, trying to be constructive, because price change has been quite significant. Um, and, uh, and we know uh, that, you know, this is where long term seeds get planted and, and, and money is made.
0: Yeah, I, as as I think I've mentioned on 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 a couple of other episodes, I've been doing a lot of work with uh, with realtors recently, doing doing presentations on economics and markets, housing market, interest rates, that that type of thing, uh, and and the analogy which I think I've shared with with this audience that I've been using, you know, the Fed didn't do enough last year. It's akin to me and and my wife and and our two teenage daughters, and you know how do, how do we punish them if they if they, you know, they they do something that we're not happy with? Well, we take the phone away, take the phone away for a week. But if we don't take the phone away, you know, when when they do whatever we didn't like again and again and again, um, dad and mom lose their credibility. So the Fed really back in June, when they went up three quarters, seen the Bank of Canada do massive increases, three quarters, three quarters again from the Fed, maybe an, and, and more to come, um, they've reestablished their credibility. Mom and dad are taking this inflation issue seriously. They're going to deal with it just like mom and dad have to deal with, uh, with, with the kids getting offside. The big thing, though, that mom and dad don't want to do uh, is we, maybe we take the phone away to, to really prove our point for 30 days instead of seven days. The big thing we don't want to do is smash the phone with a hammer because that's counterproductive. And that's what we got to worry about the Fed doing a little bit too much. Uh, and, uh, and, and it seems like markets are starting to get a little bit more comfortable that things are starting to play out where the Fed um, is gonna have an exit even if that causes a recession, it it's it's not a it's not a mistake that's catastrophic in some way.
1: I think that's I think that's 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 true.
0: Um, you know I think the other thing too when you when you get big
1: price movements and people are talking about liquidity, that means that people are being forced to do things. Um, it doesn't mean you know behavioral finance always like we have the mental angst of watching things we own go down relative to their long-term prospects. But when, when, when we see some of the action that we've seen in the past, it's because people have to sell. They've used leverage. They find themselves in positions, you, you might hear like requires more collateral. That means I need to put up more money. I need to get that money from somewhere. Um, when you begin to have those discussions, that's what I mean. Like You don't know if you're totally in the ninth inning, but when you're in a situation where those discussions are taking place, People are having to act in a manner that they would otherwise not want to, <laughs> yeah. and, and 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 that's normally a time when a long-term investor who doesn't use leverage like we do, uh, or like we don't, we don't use leverage. That is when a long-term investor wants to, you know, come in and say, I think I think this is probably the beginnings of of uh, you know a good setup for the intermediate term.
0: So uh so are are we going to see uh Dollar Cost Average boy making a, an appearance at the Stu's Day Stu Jay's uh, playoff games?
1: <laughs> That's right, it'll be me and uh, the birdie. Uh so I will have my cape on and uh you know Dollar Cost Average is akin to lots of singles. Uh, you just spray the ball all over the place and eventually uh, you get some runs and um, and uh, you know we we're we're big believers in that for sure.
0: Okay. Well, we'll look, uh, we'll look for that as we're watching the playoffs. And Stu, uh, always great to catch up with you. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll talk to you next week. Great. Thanks, Dave. This recording has been provided by RBC Global Asset Management Inc. for informational purposes only and is not intended to be investment or financial advice. You should consult your own legal, accounting, tax, investment, or financial planning advisors before engaging in any transactions.